Let me pray for us. I just want to open up uh, a passage of scripture that speaks a little about dedication, speaks a lot about uh, having a heart of expectation and desire. And uh, we'll read Luke 22, 22 to 40. So Luke chapter 2, we'll get there in a minute. And that story that we saw on the kids' video, I think speaks volumes to us as a church today. Speaks to the modern church. Speaks to our heart. So, Father, we ask that you speak to us today. Lord God, by the power of your spirit, by the anointing of your spirit over your word, we pray that we hear truth and we respond, that we hear what the Bible has to say and we obey. We pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, I hope you had a good Christmas. I spent two weeks on the Sunshine Coast, 13 days actually, looking out on four-metre swells most days. They closed all the beaches except for Noosa, uh, which, silly, silly me, rookie error, right, uh, went to Noosa, said to Dave, my son, hey, mate, how about we do a drive to Noosa? The girls are going to see some movie. So uh, off we went, New Year's Day. It was insane, busy. Took Dave and I so long. Uh, it was a nice drive. And then we got to Hastings Street. And we turned left and went to, up towards the Spit Car Park. And uh, we noticed that uh, coming away from the car park, there were lots and lots of cars, but they weren't moving. So the car park had essentially extended all the way back to the roundabout at Hastings Street. And uh, I said to Dave, I wonder what that's about. So we continued, and of course, rookie error again. Of course, that was people trying to escape from the car park. <laughs> we did, you know, there, there is some sanity here. So uh, what do we do at a shopping centre if we are desperate for a car park and there isn't one? We just wait and we look for the person with the trolley coming out of the, right? So we look for the person with the towels and the sunscreen. And eventually we got a car park, half an hour, we sat there, I think, and we went and observed the waves. And then we came out and there weren't so many cars. So I said to Dave, and he's never been there, Let's, I want to take you to the National Park. I want to head up. And I'll show you, we'll go for a walk. Well, only about two and a half kilometres, isn't it? We drove up to find that park and we found that it took us three quarters of an hour to get up there and an hour or, or more to get back. Apparently, a lot of other people had the same idea on New Year's Day. I love the study of human nature. And I find it particularly interesting to observe that people will do some crazy stuff, sometimes costly things, to satisfy 
their ambition. So our desire to go up a little bit was to observe all the surfing that was happening in a pretty radical great day at Noosa. And people were carrying their boards. This is not an actual photograph of the day because on the day it was super busy. But they were carrying their boards back up the beach and some on the boardwalk, 2K, in order to paddle out again and they, some of them we saw the same board shorts four or five times over a couple of hours that we sat there and watched all of this. Again, this is uh, not an actual on-the-day picture because there were like probably 100 people on that little stretch of the boardwalk there. We all have things that we do repeatedly now, on this day, surfers kind of knew from the whole region of the sunny coast and probably three or four hours' drive west, got to be at Noosa today. And they were. Mary and Joseph were faithful Jews. And they would have travelled for about a week to get to the destination where this dedication was going to happen. It would have cost them and so they repetitively did things at great expense because they believed in it. So this is the story of them dedicating Jesus. And if you have your Bibles, Luke 2 and 22, please. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. It's written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. So for them, observing this process for dedicating or presenting their son for purification and dedicating Jesus was a priority. It cost them something, but they would see this through come hail or rain. They finished everything required by the law, as it says in Luke 2 and 39. They dedicated Jesus to the Lord, which would have involved paying a redemption price to the temple. They had this process to follow, which for them was new, because Jesus was their firstborn. And we're working our way through January and I don't know about you, but I've had a time since I came back from my holidays. I don't think about this stuff at holiday. I just think about surf, sun, sand and going to sleep early enough to wake up really early the next day. However, now that we're back, I'm very, very aware that people are thinking about school starting and what that means for teachers, what that means for administrations in schools, every workplace is thinking about how do we do, how do we launch into this year in a successful way and keep people at the desk? There's uncertainty on how to navigate this pandemic. However, in the context, Mary and Joseph were finding their way through this new stage of life. It was a new experience for them to satisfy what they believed was necessary right they were just doing their best. 
And they had knowledge that Jesus was destined to be the saviour of the world. That was not a confusion for them. They were simply following a standard they believed in and were familiar with because of their upbringing, what they had been taught and the knowledge they had of the Old Testament teaching. Have you noticed how people will do crazy things at New Year's? It seems to be the time of the year when a whole bunch of people, uh, self-included to some extent, girls brought up a hat from Melbourne. Uh, Happy New Year's, right? All glittery and whatever. So I wore it on New Year's Eve. It was a big deal for me. We had a view of the fireworks from a top floor unit that we were in, uh, which had a balcony, and then we had a walk up uh, to a rooftop. So it was pretty good. It was a pretty good place to watch the fireworks at Mooloolaba, right? New Year's Eve was one of the only dry nights of the two weeks that we were there. So uh, not hard to be tempted to get out on that balcony. It was a, there's a cul-de-sac, Budrum turn off, turn left, that's where we were. Uh, and a, a cul-de-sac that I was aware would probably attract a few people because it's kind of high, uh, people would drive in there. I've got to tell you, the street parking... And the cul-de-sac parking, which was immediately below us, was more entertaining than the fireworks. And I remember a number of years ago, it only happened a couple of times, right? First time, uh, this is just way crazy. Second time, we had people with us, visitors. Uh, let's do it way crazy together. Um, Melbourne for New Year's and Federation Square. It took us three hours to cross the street to get to the station after the fireworks. 600,000 people were doing the same thing that we were doing. And every year, people do the same thing. I know Sydney's another level, but I think Sydney's more spread out. Melbourne, it's everybody coming into the train, Flinders Street, everybody getting off. It's amazing, I've got to tell you. People get dressed up. Maybe too many drink a bit more than they normally would. And with so much preparation and waiting, it's always about those last 10 seconds. You know, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Crazy. Marks a new beginning. A fresh start. A time uh, to turn over a new leaf and start again. And for some, a time to kiss the person next to you or an opportunity to practice social distancing. Of course, it is a totally secular form of ritual participation. It's got absolutely nothing to do with God and it certainly wasn't ordained by God. And not like sacrificial purification or the Day of Atonement. But here, I want to say to you that New Year's Eve countdowns and the temple sacrificial system have something in common. And that is that neither affect permanent change. They do not affect permanent change. 
Jesus came into the world to bring permanent change into people's lives, to bring in a new kingdom, a new period of history, a brand new life for anyone who wants it. The sacrificial system could not achieve this. And I think it's fair to ask why. And what was insufficient about the sacrificial system as we read it in Scripture? I totally believe it was so important. No question on that, no, no back, backing down on that. But how do we answer the question of why it couldn't bring in permanent change? Well, two issues that I want to highlight. Uh, the first is the Old Testament covenant And I want to say, no surprise to God, but no animal sacrifice was ever sufficient to deal with the problem of sin permanently. You had to keep going back. The Bible tells us that Mary and Joseph did the right thing and they bring a couple of turtle doves. And the whole point was about going back next year through the year, to ensure that you were in step with God's desires. And then Jesus' sacrifice, a sacrifice once for all time, retrospective and looking forward. It was demonstratively different. He bore the punishment of death on behalf of all people for all time, And it was, as promised, a real human sacrifice so that we can be totally forgiven and freed from death. And also, it's a reality that in the Old Testament, when a sin offering is made, it wasn't only the priest and God involved in that offering. Because a person would place their hands on the animal to acknowledge their sinfulness, their need for something to change and become different. And then the life of the animal would be offered for their sins. And there's always, if we study it in the Old Testament, there's always an element of repentance, an activity of the heart to resolve a wrong, to make right what was wrong. The action of bringing the sacrifice, the action that it was a sacrifice for the person to bring and to give and to make that sacrifice, to seek a change, to make a wrong right again, to turn from sin and move towards God and move towards what God desires. The law that God set before Moses was really clear. If the people obeyed, they would be blessed in the land. If they disobeyed, they would not receive the blessing. True? And we all want God's blessing, right? Deuteronomy chapter 30 says, Though they had sinned, if they turned to the Lord, if they repented, he would restore them. It goes further to say that he would gather them from exile and circumcise their hearts. And Jesus is the culmination of God's plan for redemption 
And specifically, I could say to you today and anybody watching online, this was God's plan. Jesus was God's plan for your redemption and mine to redeem everyone who would seek him once for all time. And there's a new covenant. It wasn't very long before Jesus announces his purpose. He had come to redeem. And there wasn't really any other driving force for the presence of Jesus on the earth. God's heart has been, was and is for redemption, to redeem his creation, to redeem his people. You see, he made perfect, he made us perfect in the beginning. We're going to have a series on Genesis and the whole purpose of our series will be to see how God made things in order to see fulfilment. So Genesis marries beautifully with the New Testament, with the gospel narrative. He made us perfect. We strayed, we've continued to stray and Jesus is the way that God has provided in order for us to be brought back into relationship with the Father, to be redeemed, returned to a state of restoration into relationship with God. Let me put it another way. Where there is repentance, God will forgive and bring about a permanent change of the heart. A change of our heart is a permanent and restorative change in mind and attitude and behaviour so that there's no going back year after year. Don't you love that? Don't you particularly love that we live in this stage of world history where we can look back on Easter, know that Jesus hung on the cross until he was able to say, it is finished, the work of redemption is done, the price is paid, And now we live post-resurrection and able to see the plan of God being unfolded. Tara said to us so clearly, sometimes we're waiting still for the promise. God's promises are forever and I am convinced his final promise of coming again is yet to occur but will occur. Amen. Jeremiah 31 and Ezekiel 36 prophesy God was going to create a new covenant in which he would bring about a permanent change of heart and give us a soft heart of flesh. It has happened. The problem with the Mosaic covenant wasn't only that the people continually sinned and needed to come back, they continually sinned and needed constant forgiving. And we need to be clear, God is a forgiving God. He never stopped forgiving. He never feigned or paused. He's always ready and willing to forgive and start again. But the problem was in the Old Testament that they were required to repent again and again. And the repentance itself had become a problem for people. Let me tell you why. People relied on forgiveness way too much. 
and it became a ritual lifestyle thing to go through the motions. You know, it doesn't matter if we sin between sacrifices because eventually we'll come forward with our sacrifice and we'll be all good again. They miss the relational element of knowing God and honouring and loving, respecting and connecting with God in worship. They'd fallen into religion. And the submission to obedience came a distant second. And because the people were living in darkness, they didn't know God, they didn't know the truth and their hearts had become hardened to the truth. As Simeon took Jesus into his arms, he thanked God and he said, in Luke 2 and verse 30, if you still got it open, my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light that will disclose the truth to a multitude of people and the glory of your people Israel. And the prophecy goes on. He says to Mary, he's destined, Jesus is destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. So repentance, even the goodness in repentance, had become a problem for Israel. Not only because they stubbornly wouldn't do it, but I want to say to you also, religion turns our hearts backward, wrong way, to a point that in the, the context of the sacrificial system in the Old Testament, they didn't even know how to repent. They'd just gotten used to doing stuff. They were a people, as Isaiah describes so accurately in his prophecy, living in darkness. Their eyes and their ears were shut from knowing the truth. I wonder if we see that around us today. I wonder if we uh, know anybody who don't even know that they need to repent. Repentance, I remind you, was always the necessary requirement for any sacrifice. Repentance remains the way we access the benefits of Jesus' perfect sacrifice. But some of us have got forgotten or we don't even know that we need to repent. Remember, this was John the Baptist's message. Jesus is coming to save you. Prepare ye the way for him by repenting. Remember that? Sin isn't just something we do, it's something we think and feel. It begins in the heart. And I read recently that up to 90% of it stays in our subconscious for long periods. In other words, many Christians even live in denial about who we've judged, who we've hated, who we are jealous of, what we've coveted. It's like the person who seems to be well, even looks very fit, the picture of health physically awesome and they go to have a scan and they find that they have cancer within their body. Only minuscule symptoms have begun to emerge 
but how it looks on the outside is no indicator of what's going on on the, ins on, on the inside. Sin's like a cancer. It goes unnoticed. Even by ourselves is my point. Sometimes we don't even know how much muck is in our lives. We haven't put it under the microscope because we haven't gone with a desire for repentance in our heart. You see, when we desire repentance, God reveals and we are able to deal with. Amen? And uh, the idea of sacrifice in the Old Testament was I bring my sacrifice, I put my hands on the sacrifice, I engage with the purpose for the sacrifice, which is the cleansing from sin. And repentance, we've kind of lost the art to genuinely come before a holy God and have our sin exposed in such a way that we recognise it and we say, Lord God, I need your cleansing. I am here to say sorry. Change me. I think we've all got well-developed ways to hide until we come into the presence of a holy God who shines a light and exposes everything that's hidden. Jesus' light is a bit like a cat scan over the body or a sword that pierces the soul. And in Hebrews 4, it says that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing until it divides soul from spirit, joints from marrow. And it's able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Here's the good news. So good. Because we are forgiven, we can stand before a holy God without fear and we can face the truth in our hearts because we know he's already paid the price for it. Are you willing? And that means we can do something no one can do outside of being hidden in Jesus. We can repent of everything. Look, it's a wonderful privilege. And as I say, post-resurrection, we can look to Easter, the story of Easter, where Jesus laid down his life for all. And then we look into the New Testament shortly after Jesus' death and we see only many are receiving. How sad it is that not all receive. True? But we can be the change. You can be the change. You can have the change. Because this change is for all people for all time. As his light shows us the sin in our lives, we can face it and repent of it. And it's not a one-time-fits-all situation when it comes to repentance. Entry into the kingdom of God, becoming a Christian is a once-only event. But repentance can continue. It's required repentance to enter the kingdom of God, but a kingdom dweller desires to repent daily or 
regularly during the day. Is that true for you? Because I want to say that some of us have lost the art of repentance. Because <laughs> we we kind of fall into this church and Christian thing that looks back to a once saved, always saved mentality and that means it doesn't matter how I live my life from that point forward. Well, here's something you may not want to hear. It matters to God how we live after we come into the kingdom. I don't actually mind whether you believe that or not. I just know that's a truth in the scripture. It matters to God that he paid a price for our righteousness, that we become like Christ and we practice being as we have been set apart in order that we would honour the Lord Jesus Christ. And so how we live is actually real important to God. So I'm in. I'm in for change. I'm in for being restorative. I'm in to be purposed so that it changes how I live my life. Because we don't need to live in darkness making New Year's resolutions and never understanding why we can't change things. He's put his spirit within us who counsels us and shows us our sin or the sin in our heart sometimes in order that we can live restorative lives. The secrets of our heart are always disclosed to us when we come to God in repentance. So today we celebrate our salvation in Christ. Not without repentance. And not without his sacrifice. But more importantly, that God made with us a new covenant. A covenant that leads to permanent change. Isn't that beautiful? The new covenant in Christ that we might never be the same again i want us to stand and the band's coming we're going to sing a song as uh, as that happens if i've said anything that's a little confusing and you'd like it clarified i welcome you to come and sit in one of these front seats someone will come and try to answer your question if you came here today and without kind of being prepared you realize wow I don't think I've done that repentance thing or if I have, I haven't done it properly. Then I welcome you too to come and stand in the front here. Join me, I'll be standing down the front. If you have a question, if you need some prayer, if you'd like to get things sorted with God, I invite you to be courageous Come and seek clarification. I love how the Lord will bless.